Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon the generous financial contributions of our listeners in order to continue bringing Fighting for the Faith to you. Uh, Would you please uh, support Fighting for the Faith financially by joining our crew or sending in a donation to uh, support us financially? You can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. Click on the Join Our Crew button. That's a mere $6.95 a month. Or if you'd like to make a flat contribution, you can do so by clicking on the Donate button or making your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and sending it to Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. Thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Monday, November 29th, 2010. I am on decongestants. Spent Thanksgiving in New England, come back with a cold. There's a moral to this story, and I I don't know what it is, but there is one. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro, and I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, goal of which help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and to compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. Sadly, there's no shortage of crazy things being said today, and as you listen to today's edition of uh, Fighting for the Faith, you're going to realize that that the whole world has, well, probably just gone crazy. You know, when I when I think of spiritual bondage, when I think of deception, when I think of the forces of evil, I I don't normally think of people being in bondage to stupid, but... Uh, <laughs> I mean, being enslaved to some besetting sin sounds far more manly than being enslaved to just silliness. And and today's Christian church, unfortunately, is seems more and more to be enslaved to just silly, stupid things. And so today's edition of Fighting for the Faith will uh, kind of follow in line with that that time-honored uh, tradition. Uh, those of you who uh, remember back to the days when uh, we didn't have hundreds of channels, there was no HD, and you had to catch a uh, a, a television signal using uh, aluminum rabbit ears on your television, you'll remember the, the days of the Twilight Zone marathons. That's right, the Twilight Zone marathons. Back in the day when I was growing up, during the uh, Thanksgiving... Uh, it was in 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 Southern California. It was KTLA. It was Channel Five. KTLA Channel Five would always have their Thanksgiving Day, well, be a Twilight Zone marathon, and and so today we're going to follow that tradition, even though it's not Thanksgiving. Um, this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. I shouldn't. Interrupt a dimension Rod. of sound. A dimension of sight. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. 
Yeah, so the point that I'm making is that uh, uh, during Thanksgiving here in the United States, uh, it, it's a time-honored tradition to have, uh, well, to have Twilight Zone mar- the Twilight Zone marathon playing in the background. Well, I don't broadcast on Thanksgiving. I uh, put a best-of program on Thursday and a best-of program on Friday. And uh, because the day before, you know, we uh, we packed up our bags, got into the Pirate Christian Radio FJ, and uh, made the trip over to... Uh, Groton, Connecticut, where my son is stationed. Uh, he's uh, stationed at the submarine base there in uh, Groton, Connecticut, as he's being trained for some top-secret position thing that he... I, I don't know what he does. I, I honestly don't know what my own son does in the Navy. But I know it's important. Yeah, that's and I know that it happens under the water. That's because that's he's a submariner. So I know those two things about my son, and uh, <laughs> at least what he does... Uh, since joining the Navy, he's uh, spent basically all of his time in school. Anyway, we packed up the uh, family, head on over to Groton, Connecticut, and we spent the entire Thanksgiving holiday uh, with uh, my son and his uh, and his wife and uh, also was able to visit some of my relatives, my family. I have family that uh, lives in New England, and it was just a, it was just a fantastic, wonderful time. It was a good time to let down my hair. Um. Yes, I still have hair, so it's good to be able to let that down, and uh, and to just kick up the feet and just chill, just veg. We played games, we ate food, we ate f- more food, and we played some more games. We talked, and then we ate food, and then there was uh, dessert and hors d'oeuvres, and uh, and then you know talking some more, and then more food, and uh, by the end of it all, I needed a recovery day anyway. But so I get back, and we we made the the drive home uh, yesterday. Did it all in one big, uh, in one big bound. Took us about fifteen and a half hours in the truck yesterday. Anyway, get home and I start feeling sick. You know that, uh, and I don't want to sound pathetic, so I, I I'm I'm all kind of I'm under the influence of decongestants right now, and so. You know, I'm I'm doing my program today with the, with the idea that my nose might begin dripping. It, it could happen, and I've I've got a I've got a glass of tea here. I've been drinking lots of fluids. I'm on decongestants. I'm on Zycam. I've gone through half a box of Kleenex today, but I'm going to you know I'm going to take one for you all here. I'm going to take one for the team, and you know, put out a quality program today. At least that's the goal. And so today's edition is the uh, Twilight Zone Marathon edition of uh, Fighting for the Faith. To basically kind of just ask the question, has the church succumbed not to some great heresy? I mean, I back in the day, I mean, think about this. Some of the greatest heretics were really smart guys who knew their Bible and knew how to twist them really well. And it took a whole lot of other smart guys who knew their Bibles to untwist and unmangle the twisting that took place in order to uh, declare those heresies to be heresies. I mean, I mean, seriously, if Marcion or Arius or you know any of those guys were to rise up today, the church would we wouldn't be able to beat them off. I mean, because well, for lack of a better way of putting it, Marcion and. Arius and Pelagius and uh, all those, uh, I mean, even even the Gnostics. I mean, they, there was some substance to their stuff. But I'm convinced that some quarters of the visible Christian church in the world 
have just succumbed silly. Uh, we're, we're in bondage to dumb. And uh, in today's episode might demonstrate that really well. So, in fact, this is kind of one of those weird programs. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I did the Freaky Friday edition. This is in that similar vein. And so we're going to start off kind of easing into it, you know, from maybe not so silly to just kind of just, huh, to weird to bizarre to you've got to be kidding me to full-blown, okay, that's it. Um, yeah. Chris has made his point. Yeah, that's why we're going to do this today. So we're going to ease in today's Twilight Zone Marathon edition of Fighting for the Faith in honor of uh, the uh, time-honored tradition of the Twilight Zone Marathons during Thanksgiving here in the United States. And uh, so to start things off, we're going to start off with one that isn't so silly, but it just, it'll make you go, huh? Okay, so here here's the deal. Granger Community Church. Now, last week, it was last Tuesday, it was a week ago tomorrow, I reviewed a uh, a lecture given by Tim Stevens, the executive pastor of Granger Community Church. And the name of the conference was AND, A-N-D. And, uh, and so... I'm on, I'm going through my Facebook wall cleaning up uh you know some of the Farmville posts. By the way, I you know I I I've, I have announced that I joined the Farmville cult. But uh if you uh, if you end up posting something about Farmville on my uh Facebook wall, like you're sending me a gift or you know your um Awasa pig has found a truffle or something like that. Um I I'll click on the link and uh, and accept your gift from you for my Farmville. Uh, but then I will delete it from my wall post. It's nothing personal. It's just that um, I'd like to keep the conversations going on on my wall to, to focus on the theological and even sometimes the absurd. But I, I don't find the I don't find the Farmville uh, wall posts to be a, a, a good conversation starters. It might just end up revealing that I'm I've completely lost my mind. Anyway, I'm off topic. But so anyway, I, I was cleaning up my my uh, wall post and. Wouldn't you know, a, a listener sent me a link to uh, uh, one of the recent sermon series, a soundbite from a recent sermon series done at Granger Community Church entitled Cow Tipping. Cow Tipping. And um, the soundbite is entitled uh, Rest in Peace Church, Rip Church. And I was listening to Rob Wagner, uh, one of the teaching pastors there at Granger Community Church, say something that I just went, a, 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 a what? How could you say that with a straight face after what Tim Stevens revealed? So in today's Twilight Zone uh, marathon edition of Fighting for the Faith, we we, we ease into the silly. We ease. We're not gonna we're not gonna just jump in two feet. We're gonna ease into it. And so here's a Rob Wenger from uh, Granger Community Church, Granger, Indiana. On Rest in Peace Church, and I'll play uh, the full soundbite so you can kind of get the gist of it. And then I'm going to juxtapose this with something that Tim Stevens, who is also on staff there at Granger Community Church, said at the Ann Conference. Here's Rob Wagner. You know, a while back I was getting my photo taken at a photography studio. And as I was waiting, I was getting more and more depressed. And I wonder how many of us would admit you hate having your photo taken. Anyone else? Can you just put, put them up high? Can you leave them up high? I want to get your picture real quick. Hang on a second. <laughs> I actually wasn't depressed because I had to get my photo taken. It was because of 
what was going on in the photography studio or what used to be going on and wasn't happening anymore. I could look on the wall and see where there used to be this large cross, but now it's just a shadow, an imprint. I, I could look down at the floor and see where there used to be pews bolted down, but they're all gone now. Pews that probably used to be filled with people. By the way, it sounds like you're describing like a dead mainline church. Yeah, the mainline denominations, a lot of them, well, they've died over the past 30, 40 years. What, and, and what caused them to die? Hmm. Hmm. Let me think back. I know. I know. Oh, ooh, ooh, pick me. Okay. Um, you right there in, uh, behind the microphone. Thank you. Thank you for picking me. I'm glad that you picked me. It makes me feel better when I get picked by me. Anyway, um, so uh, the, I know the reason why they, uh, they started going downhill. Are you ready? It's because they tried to mix theology and the culture. Yeah, it took the form of liberalism. I think uh, Rauschenbusch and the gang and guys like that. Um, and what happened is, is that they were trying to make them the church relevant to the culture at large. And, and so they were trying to rescue Christianity from itself. Does this sound familiar? Does this sound familiar? Does any, does any of this sound familiar to y'all? And uh, so uh, what happened is, is that uh, liberalism began creeping in and, and, uh, Step by step by step by step, everything that uh, that that really mattered in the area of Christian doctrine, catechesis, theology, the proclamation of law and gospel, sin and grace, repentance and the forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name, well, all that went by the wayside. And uh, you know, in a, in a community like Granger uh, Community Church, uh, well, and like a community like Granger, Indiana, I'm sure the mainline denomination stopped placarding the gospel. And instead went to, you know, kind of Aesop's fables type of preaching. And maybe since it's a great uh, corn farming from, uh, um, community out there, it wouldn't surprise me if there was, a you know, at, at these mainline denominational churches that you, you would hear the occasional sermon about using high-grade corn seed, you know, because that, you know, that's what the parable of this, you know, the, the farmer in the field. Yeah, anyway, let's continue. I'm on a tangent. I could look up front and see the baptismal where... I imagine at some point in time, freshly redeemed people were popping out and celebrating new life, but now it was dry and empty. And as I waited to have my photo taken, you know, I'm a preacher. I couldn't help think of what happened. And I imagine the last day where the pastor or the head elder or the deacon like went through the building and shut down all the lights and then locked the door for the last time. What happened, Rob, is that they let the culture in the driver's seat and they crashed the Christian car. That's how it happens. Kind of like what you guys are doing there, Granger. And handed the keys over to a realtor. And I thought, I bet at some point in time in this community, there was this, this group of kind of red-hot people. They were alive with the love of God. And they were probably meeting in someone's basement or somebody's living room, and it kept growing and growing because they were including and inviting. It was growing and growing. And then they all got together and said, you know, we need to build like a facility, a building, because this thing's growing. And then they began to meet there, but somehow, someway, sometime, it stopped. And then it declined, and then it was literally RIP, R-I-P. And this place where the light of Christ used to shine, now it's just the light from a flashbulb. And I thought, how sad. And I can take you to facilities all over this community that used to house growing churches, but now there's an insurance agency in this one, and this one's a private residence, and I, I know one that got knocked down, and now it's a parking lot. I mean, the sad story. Um, keep listening. And it makes you ask, what happened? 
Something obviously began to block the flow of the life and the love of God. Because I tell you, in, in God's kingdom and in God's world, everything that's healthy reproduces and grows. I don't have to look. Uh, okay, whoa, whoa, slow down there, Rob. What? So in God's kingdom, everything that's healthy reproduces and grows. Okay, all right, all right. Um, notice how the, uh, the body of Christ gets uh, reduced down to an individual congregation. And let's continue. But uh, yeah, well, I'm going to play something. I'm going to juxtapose this. So everything that's healthy grows and reproduces. Okay, all right. Look at my girls and say, I command you to grow. In the name of Jesus, grow. If they're healthy, they grow. You know, I, I have to keep buying new shoes all the time. Like I buy them a pair of shoes. 16 seconds later, Dad, I've outgrown the shoes. They hurt. And I sort of look at them and say, just live through the pain. Work through the pain. <laughs> Can I get an amen from the parents? You know what I'm talking about? I'm going to be poor. You keep this up. And the same is true in the kingdom of God. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And when a church goes rip, R-I-P, I don't think it's a Jesus problem. I think it's an us problem. And I bet somewhere, somehow in that community, I bet a sacred cow got lifted up. You know, we're talking. Yeah, a sacred cow like, um, Purpose-driven methodologies. Talking about cow tipping. And I bet somewhere, somehow, there was this sacred cow. And, and we all thought in that community, I bet they thought, this is what we need to do. It's what we've always done. And we should always do it. And it's the right thing to do. But that sacred cow literally began to block the flow of the life and the love of God. And then it just began to wither and die. Okay, so that's Rob Wenger from the recently uh, concluded uh, uh, cow tipping church sermon series at Granger Community Church. So growing, uh, healthy things grow, and uh, churches that decline, well, it's because they've let a sacred cow get in the way. Juxtapose this with what Tim Stevens said during the AND conference about Granger Community Church. Here we go. Let me tell you a little bit about uh, my journey. Uh, I came to GCC uh, 17 years ago because it was missional. I didn't know that word at the time, uh, but I came because uh, I had been in a parachurch organization and been to about a thousand different churches. But when I came to Granger, I saw things I had never seen in a church anywhere, never even heard of in a church anywhere, where the Christians uh, here were outward focused, where it was common to be introduced to someone who had just met Jesus and was excited about their faith, where there were people attending every week who were not yet convinced, who were just checking things out, and that was okay, and they were treated with grace and with love, and they were given the space to explore. And so the church uh, was up and to the right for years. In fact, for 20 years, we always had more people in attendance than we did the year before. Most of the times, it was double-digit increase. And yeah, there was a back door, there were people leaving, but the front door was wider because we kept growing and growing year after year. Until four years ago, we stopped growing, and it nearly killed us. Uh, what? Excuse me? Rob Wenger just preached about how healthy things grow, and Granger stopped growing, yet you guys were putting on conferences teaching other pastors how to grow their churches? Huh? No one on our team is wired for maintenance. I mean, we all see the vision of reaching more and more of our community for Christ. And the fact that it didn't seem to be working anymore nearly undid us. 
I personally determined, you know what, as executive pastor, if I can't figure this out, someone else has got to be here in my position to figure this out because we are wired for growth. We sat through agonizing meetings trying to figure out the problem. We prayed, we cried, we argued, we blamed ourselves, we blamed the economy, we blamed the weather sometimes. Uh, We blamed uh, our people and their lack of evangelistic fervor. We blamed our location. We blamed our programming. Uh, We blamed our relational deficiencies and trying to work through that. Sometimes we blamed each other. And then we just started changing stuff. So we changed staff and we changed service times. And we uh, changed, we added a multi-site location. We took surveys. We canceled some programs. We added some programs. Uh, We made services longer. Then we made services shorter. We tried using more pop culture. Then we tried using less pop culture. Uh, We made services more experiential. We tried offering felt need topics more. Uh, We tried going deeper more often. At the same time, uh, early 2008 or so, a couple years ago. But apparently they didn't try preaching repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Hmm. They, on the one hand, tell the people in their congregation that healthy things grow and that they shouldn't have any sacred cows, but, hmm, using their own logic, we have to come to the conclusion that the seeker-driven model is a sacred cow and isn't healthy. You know, just, you know, that's just my particular interpretation. Anyway, that's um, that's um, the first of our Twilight Zone things that I wanted to throw in there today. And it's not super crazy, but again, I'm, a, I'm asking the question, has the church succumbed not to some great formidable heresy, but has the church succumbed to silliness? Has the church been overthrown by dumb? I mean, how is it that the Granger guys can speak with a straight face about how important growth is and, and be, the, be the beacon of light for seeker-driven pastors so they can come and learn how to grow their church when for four years their church wasn't growing? I mean, that's either deception, silliness, or, well, something else. Anyway... Moving along here, uh, I thought it would be fun if we would throw a little Patricia King into the mix today. Patricia King, she claims that God speaks to her, and, well, she gets some really interesting things that she apparently gets from God. Yeah, and and this time uh, Patricia has well apparently a word of knowledge from God um, regarding um, chia pets. Yeah, somebody with a chia pet. So if you are if you own a chia pet with a bald spot, I I'm not making this up. If you own a chia pet with a bald spot, then uh, you need to listen in because. Apparently, uh, God has been speaking to Patricia King, and she has a message that she wants to hand on to hand, you know give to you um, regarding your um, chia pet. Uh, here's Patricia King. I have a very interesting word. In fact, I've never had one like this ever before. But I saw a vision of a chia pet, and I don't know how many of you have seen those, but it's where there's little alfalfa seeds that get put on heads and that. For- yeah, uh, we're all really, really, really familiar with chia pets. Uh, you know, those of you living out the uni- outside of the United States, I don't know if you have the chia pet 
as uh, one of the things that's available to you there in uh, your neck of the woods. It, it's been basically a um, Christmas time piece of junk uh, presentry that you can uh, buy for folk. And uh, the, it goes all the way back to when I was a young lad. They, In fact, the original Chia Pet uh, commercial, if you want to see it, is available on YouTube. If you go to YouTube.com and type in original Chia Pet commercial into the search box, and uh, you'll be taken to a video that sounds and like, well like this. There's a new pet. Chia. Chia pet. The pottery that grows. It's fun and easy. Soak your chia. Spread the seeds. Keep it watered and watch it grow. And now grow a whole collection of fun with chia teddy bears, puppies, kittens, rams, bulls. There's even a chia tree to keep your pets company. Chia Pets and Trees, the pottery that grows. The Chia Pet and Chia Tree. Okay, yeah, if you're not familiar with the Chia Pet, I mean, that there that's the original. But you know what's so funny is, is that uh, this is also the time of the year, not only when the uh, Chia Pet, you know, commercials would air, but also... Off on a Rosebro tangent here. This this commercial would also air at the same time. Clap on, clap off, clap on, clap off. Stop Let you turn things on or off from anywhere in the room. Just plug in the clapper and a television, lamp, stereo, almost anything you want to clap on and off. Clap on, clap off, clap on, clap off. Stop clapping. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, so... I mean, if you really want to shoot the moon, I mean, and really just go hog wild crazy with the uh, strangest stuff that ever has befallen a Christmas, um, then don't just get the Chia Pet for somebody at Christmas time. Get them the Clapper as well. I, it's, I, I found that uh, these are great gifts to give away during the secret Santa uh, things that occur during this time of year because... Somebody gets a clapper or a chia pet. Yeah, I, I'm telling you, there's there's eyes looking at those gifts with supreme jealousy. Yeah, the, you know, the, there's nothing better in the world than getting <clears throat> a chia pet or a clapper. Anyway, back to uh, the Patricia King. Uh, she's basically making the claim here that uh, God has given her a special revelation regarding a word of knowledge, if you would, for somebody who owns a Chia Pet. And as you're going to find out, it's not just any old Chia Pet. It's a Chia Pet with a bald spot. And that for our producer, Shirley Ross, my husband and I get her one every Christmas just as a joke because she can't stand the things. But anyways, I saw this Chia Pet and it was it was growing its alfalfa sprouts all over it, except at the top of the head. And there was none, none growing at the top of the head. And so the person that this word is for, you, 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 you were upset with this Chia Pet because it wasn't producing at the top of the head. All you have to do is water that seed a little bit more. And if it still doesn't grow, just add a little bit more seed. Now, I know that this sounds like a crazy word, but there's a lesson in it. You see, the sower sows the word. And that word, if it... What? You're t- you're the parable of the sower, where the sower sows the word of God. You're now tying that into the chia pet? You've got to be kidding me in good ground and if it's looked after it will produce 30 60 90 fold at least your seed that you've sown 
of the word of God is going to produce seed. But it's like the chia pet. If it's not growing, there's a reason for it. Put more water on it. Water your seed. Water the seed of the, the, the word more in your life. Lay hold of it. Decree it more. Pray over that seed a little bit more. Or just plant more seed. You know. And- okay, the, when Jesus told the parable of the sower and the seed, he was not. It was not about chia pets or bald spots on your chia pets or somehow sowing the sowing more of the seed of God in your it wasn't about any of that go and read the parable uh, yeah i'm convinced the church has completely succumbed not to any pernicious horrible heresy but has just fallen to dumb yeah. <laughs> going to be growth everywhere you plant seed and everywhere you care for it it is going to grow and so for you with that chia pet who is you're frustrated because it's not growing on the top of its head you just keep working it and it will grow well there (laughs) wow that just when oh boy yeah, um, folks, uh, we're going to take a break here of um, our Twilight Zone Marathon edition of Fighting for the Faith. And um, when we come back, we're going to be listening to Melissa Fisher, from also from XP Media. And uh, her video is entitled, God Believes in You. And then uh, those of you out there who've been uh, you know, looking at the news lately, I mean, with North Korea, you know, uh, firing off artillery at South Korea, and uh, with the Pope, uh, basically saying it's okay for certain people to use condoms. And, uh, you know, the question is, how are we to interpret these uh, these events? Well, the good news is, is that William Tapley, Third Eagle of the Apocalypse and uh, co-prophet of the End Times, has a, a, a video that he rushed into production in order to help us to properly understand all of the things that have happened to us uh, over, you know, just, I mean, you, if you weren't paying attention because you were ex- suffering from a tryptophan coma during uh, the Thanksgiving holiday, don't worry, I'll bring you up to speed quickly via William Tapley. And uh, and then we're going to go uh, down under t- uh, for our sermon review in hour number two today, Phil Pringle from C3 uh, Church in uh, Sydney, Australia. He, you've got, I don't even know how to describe what you're going to hear on that sermon. Uh, So lots and lots coming up. You don't want to miss it. Now, if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address, talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can ask to be my friend on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian, or you can follow me on Twitter. My name there, Pirate Christian. We'll be right back. Yeah, I, I think the church has fallen to dumb. No itching ears are scratched here. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> Python's Flying Circus Church. 
management of Monty Python's Flying Circus Church would like to apologize to all of our listeners. Normally, we do parody here at Monty Python's Flying Circus Church. Unfortunately, due to unforeseen circumstances in the current miserable state of the church, uh, we can no longer parody the church because the church just parodies itself. For proof of this particular concept, uh, we now present to you um, the uh, Holy Ghost Hokey Pokey. I'll tell you, three weeks ago, we did a Friday Night School of the Spirit, and we saw 12 people heal the Word of Knowledge, and 40 healed doing the Holy Ghost Hokey Pokey. Let's just go ahead and do that and see what the Lord does. You guys okay to do a little Holy Ghost Hokey Pokey? Can you lead it? All right, Brian's going to lead us in the Holy Ghost Hokey Pokey. You can Put your right hand in, put your right hand out. You put your right hand in, you put your right hand out. You put your right hand in, you dig your right hand out. You put it in, and you shake it, and you shake it all about. You put your left hand in, you take your left hand out. You put your left hand in, you take your left hand out. You put your left hand in, you take your left hand out. Put it in, and you shake it, and you shake it all about. You put your right foot in, you take your right foot out. You put your right foot in, you take your right foot out. You put your right foot in, you take your right foot out. Put it in, and you shake it, and you shake it all about. with the arms uh, nothing nothing real effect but then as soon as i just start we started doing the whole we'll put your left foot in your right foot in both of my knees you know one at a time i could just feel all of a sudden it's like there was no pain i said and you said start checking yourself i just squat down that's awesome thank you lord for new knees in jesus name come on come on um i've had back problems most of my life and a couple of we- about a week ago my back had gone out and it was somewhat better but it was still sore uh, up until today, and when we did that hokey pokey, and she came up and testified, all the pain. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it.
Keep more of your money in your pocket. Hi, Chris Roseborough here. If you're planning to travel anytime in the near future, then don't pay more for airfare, hotel rooms, or rental cars than you need to. Longtime Pirate Christian Radio featured advertiser Cheap O Air can save you a Tijuana taxi load of money on all of your travel needs. Plus, Cheap O Air has a seasonal promotional code for all of our listeners that will save you an additional $10 off of Cheap O Air's already low prices. Visit piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap, write down the promo code, and then click on the banner, and then book your travel today. Again, that's piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. Warning, this is what Scripture warns about, being tossed here and thither and the hither and yon by every strange wind of doctrine. Need to remind you all, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you as well as to the world. You can partner with us financially. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll do, you'll see two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute $6.95 to the ongoing work and mission of Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. And, of course, if you would like to specify the amount that you would like to contribute, you can make a one-time contribution by clicking on the donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and send it to Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code four. Six zero three eight. You know it's it's it's. Yeah, it, I you know you you have to laugh or you're gonna cry. But I mean seriously, it it scripture warns us about being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, and it seems to me that in certain cases Satan's last gasping wind, as he well the church's last gasp as Satan blows different winds of doctrine is the last wind is just dumb. It's just flat-out silly. And anybody with half a biblical brain would be able to see through this stuff. And unfortunately, the, one of the things we're suffering from in the church is Ill, a biblical illiteracy of the highest magnitude, and it doesn't make any sense. We're awash in Bibles, and yet no one reads it. We hold, we hold it in high regard. We will defend it tooth and nail, saying it's inspired, it's inerrant. Do you ever open it and read it? Seriously, don't sit there and tell me how inspired and inerrant the Bible is if you're not reading it. As a result of it, the people who believe in the inspired and inerrant word say some of the silliest things, like what we're hearing here. These are people who say, oh, I believe in the inspiration of Scripture, and it's the inspired word of God, and then they throw this other stuff in the mix too. I believe in inerrancy. I defend the inspiration, inerrancy, the verbal plenary inspiration of Scripture. That being the case, because I believe it, I also think it's important to actually read the book, you know, actually read the documents in it, and to become not just conversant with some of the material and some of the themes that occur in there, but to keep reading, 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 reading to the point of 
I don't think you can ever master the scriptures, but you have to have a commanding knowledge of it. It, it why? Because it's going to protect you. When you understand scripture, you're not going to fall for this other silly stuff. It's it, it's just not possible. Well, well, it's highly improbable is probably the better way of putting it. But uh, anyway, so m- moving along here, Melissa Fisher of XP Media, she has a uh, a video that she has out, and um, it's well, apparently. Um, God believes in you. Yeah, here the whole time I thought that the Christian message was to pagans to repent and believe the good news, to trust that God exists, that he created the world and everything that we see, and that he's calling sinners to repentance and the forgiveness of sins, and that Christians were called believers, you know, because they believed God. Well, in this new dominionist uh, way of looking at things, no, 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 no. It's not that you need to believe in God. It's that hey, you need to ha- take heart because God, well, believes in you. Here's Melissa Fisher. Hello, body of Christ. Hello, family. I have a phrase for you today. God believes in you. Really? Wow. Serious? you now maybe you've heard that before and you're like well i know well but do you really know see the lord was really speaking to me and i was thinking about was what he, was he really now god was really speaking to you and what you're going to hear by the way out of her lips at this point complete dominionist false gospel type stuff listen carefully I was thinking about what god has really done for us because you know in the beginning with adam and eve he said, yeah, let's think about that. What has God done for us? Hmm. Can, can you think of anything that God has done for you? Hmm. Let me see here. Um, oh, 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 I know. Okay, I'll, I'll pick the guy over there right by the uh, radio microphone. Thank you. Thank you for picking me. Okay. Um, um, I know. Here it is. Um, God so loved the world, right? Yeah, yeah. That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Right on. Very good. Okay. How about another one? Okay. Oh, uh, okay. Go ahead. Um, here's another one. Um, by the way, when you uh, when you have a cold and you're taking nasal decongestants, it feels like you have an out of body experience. So it makes it even more much easier for you to talk to yourself and to carry on a conversation because you feel like there's two of you. That's what you're listening to right now. It, it just enhances the craziness that is already there. Anyway, moving along, I, I know another thing that it, it says in First Corinthians chapter fifteen uh-huh, that the gospel, the good news that we're being saved by, is that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that He was buried and He was raised again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Right on. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so I I can think of a few things that God has done for us, but Melissa Fisher is pondering the question. Apply, subdue the earth, take dominion. Basically, God created this earth, and then he just basically handed it over to man and said, take dominion. And, well, we know how the story goes, you know, with the fall, and he lost it. And then he sent Jesus to win it all back for us. Now, What? (laughs) Uh, Seriously? So the God, the good news is that Jesus came back and won back dominion for us. Oh boy! Now think about that. Oh, I'm thinking about it. All right, and I just I'm not liking what I'm thinking about. It could be the nasal decongestants, though. 
When you see the darkness that people stoop to all throughout the Bible and how... Yeah, you know, the idolatry, the false religion, false doctrine, false gospel. See, I actually like what you're doing. I don't know that if I were God that I would actually hand it back to us just as he did. And not only did he hand it back... Where did this handback take place again? Can you show me that handoff in the scriptures where it's clearly taught? Yeah. And not only did he hand it back to us through Jesus, he gave us even more power, put a piece of his spirit in us and said, okay, take two, do it again, take dominion. Isn't that amazing? But Yeah, it's amazingly bad how horribly you're mangling the scriptures. This is not the biblical gospel. This is not even what the Bible teaches. God believes in you. So no matter how many mistakes you've made, he already knows you knew you were going to make them. He knows the end from the beginning. What oh, you- <laughs> Talk about a trivializing of the sovereignty and omnipotence and omniscience of God. What you've done is absolutely no surprise to him. Did you know that? Yeah, so it wasn't a surprise to God that you would be spewing this heresy on this video. And so what he's saying is he believes in you. Really? Can you show me a single passage that said that God believes in me? I believe in you. Isn't that great? Thanks, God. I, I, didn't, I almost was tempted to not believe in myself. But thanks to you, God, I can now believe in myself because you believe in me. Oh, it just makes me feel all warm and actually I feel kind of nauseated. Hmm. He believes in you because he is love. Love hopes all things, believes all things, and bears all things. And so for those of you who are out there feeling disqualified in any way, thinking that you've messed up too much for God to give you another chance. I God giving you another chance. <laughs> That's not the gospel either. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is kind of like Rick Warren's mulligan theory of the atonement. You know, Jesus came to give you a mulligan. Yeah, it's a do-over. Hope you get it right the second time, because uh, I don't know if you get another mulligan. Um, so, <clears throat> Jesus, he has done too much to show you that he absolutely believes in you. So dust yourself off, repent, and move forward. Repent of what? Not believing in myself? <sighs> Because God wants to do great things with you. Uh, <laughs> you ever see the uh, Pink Panther movies uh, with uh, Peter Sellers? Yeah, you know, Chief Inspector Dreyfus. You know, when he starts getting the nervous twitch. You know, and it. I'm, I'm starting to feel like I'm getting a nervous twitch. Oh man, it, I, unbelievable! I, I. I'm convinced that the church has fallen to the great heresy of dumb, the great heresy of stupid. I mean, and if you knew your Bible and you actually read the book rather than let it collect dust on your your end table, you, you, you wouldn't have any problems seeing these folks for what they really are basically a bunch of charlatans, hucksters, and con artists. All right, moving along, it's time for uh, it's time for some understanding of what's happening in the news, and that means we have to uh, cue up our William Tapping music.
yeah. I like that song, by the way, and I just think it's so appropriate whenever we do a William Tapley update. Now, there's a lot been happening since our last uh, revelation uh, 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 raveled. He likes to say he's unraveling revelation, but I don't think he's unraveling. I think he's just completely spinning it into one big tangle of a mess. But anyway, um, since since our last update um, with uh, William Tapley, um, well, things haven't been going so well. I mean, we had North Korea attacking South Korea, and uh, and then we've got the Pope saying that it's okay for some people to use condoms. And you know, I asked the question last week, you know, with the news that came out regarding the Pope and the condom thing, it, it, whether or not that would send William Tapley into his bunker. And uh, but now put the two stories together, and you've got one hoot of a uh, of an update from the Third Eagle of the Apocalypse. Here, listen in. Welcome to Revelation Unraveled. I'm your host, William Tapley, also known as the Third Eagle of the Apocalypse and the co-prophet of the end times. This week has been one of the most amazing times for the fulfillment of Bible prophecy that I have ever seen. First of all, we had North Korea attacking South Korea. That was the beginning of World War III. The first- oh, you should have seen that one coming. I'm t- if you d- See, I didn't want to say anything, but y- y- all of you are sitting there, you know, slapping your hand against your forehead going, oh, of course he would say that. Duh. Folks, that's it. William Tapley has spoken. Because uh, we were all worried, you know, hey, where's World War III? Because he predicted that, you know, the tribulation has begun and that the next thing that would happen is that World War III would begin. Well, there you have it. See, the artillery shells that fell on South Korea as a result of the actions of North Korea last week, just before Thanksgiving, that's William Tapley's, his interpretation, World War III has, it's begun. There you go. First shot, so to speak. But also, we had the Pope okaying some forms of condoms for male prostitutes. Believe it or not, these two events are related. I'm sure you'll explain how. Armageddon has begun. And more importantly, the countdown for the abomination of desolation. Let's take a look at the tribulation timeline and how these events are coming into focus. Now on the chart behind me... It- now I apologize, This I am playing audio from a video. Just understand you got three columns that he's showing. One has to do with the beginning of World War III on November 23rd, 2010. And that's now set the time, the time bomb ticking for when the rise of the abomination of desolation is going to arise. And then from there, the third column, the third major thing on the timeline is, well... Armageddon. He's got the dates all dialed in now. Right behind me is the tribulation time frame. It begins with World War III, extends through the abomination of desolation at the midpoint of the tribulation, and ends with Armageddon. Now, as we know from a previous video of mine, Armageddon occurs between October 13th and November 29th of the year 2017. And seven years before that is World War Three. Now, you, I, you know, I don't know how you're going to be able to fit all the, you know, you, listen, you, this is the time to start working on your bucket list. You know, if you've ever wanted to go skydiving in Mongolia, 
um, you know, or, you know, do the running of the bulls there in Spain or, you know, go to Greece and have a hero sandwich uh, while looking at the, you know, the Aegean Sea. You, you got to start working on, on how you're going to fulfill your bucket list because you only have until literally November 23rd, 2017 to get all this done. Now, I don't know how World War III will impact our ability to, you know, travel so that we can take care of our um, bucket lists, you know, like skydiving in Mongolia and things like that. I, I just don't know. But, you know, I'm telling you, this is the time to start making some plans. Is World War III. And as we know from events this week, World War III began on November 23rd. With World War III beginning on November 20th. You know, he actually looks giddy. He looks like, ooh, I am so smart. I'm so happy. I knew World War III was going to start. And now he can come grab his handy cam and say it's begun. Boy, I t- it doesn't, you know, North Korea attacking South Korea. It's not exactly the, on par with Hitler invading Poland. Maybe World War III starts off with, you know, something really, really, really small. And then, you know, goes and gets, well... World War III beginning on November 23rd, I'm not surprised because that is an evil number. I have been looking for such an evil number. (laughs) Okay. Um, What makes numbers evil? In other videos. 23 is an evil number also because 2 is placed before 3. 2 signifies man, 3 signifies God. Okay. Thirds equals the decimal 0.666. And as we know, 666 is the most evil number in the Bible. With World War III beginning November 23rd, we are entering the first half of the tribulation period, which extends for 42 months or 1260 days. Now, the length of time of the first half of the tribulation, that is 1260 days or 42 months, That is not a symbolic number. In apocalyptic literature, you always look at the symbolic interpretation first. Okay, uh, hang on a second here. I I need, let's see if I got a pencil here. Is this thing going to be lead in? Okay, good. Let's see if I can diagram this as we go, because this is going to get confusing. I, I can see it coming. Look at the symbolic interpretation first. For example, we know that when Martin Luther posted his 95 Theses, he started the five-month plague of locusts. Uh, we, we know that. What? Okay, hang on a second. Five-month plague of locusts after 95 theses. Okay. Five-month plague of locusts. But those five months symbolize five centuries. So the 95 theses launched the five-month plague of locusts, which symbolizes five centuries. Right, got it. No, actually I don't, but I'll just play along. 1260 days does not indicate anything other than days. I know some of the false prophets say it equals 1260 years. But St. John gives us two dates to corroborate each other. In other words, 1260 days equals 42 months. And there is no other combination that can work. 1260 days must be days. 42 must be months for them to equal each other. Now this holy city in Revelation 11:2, which is trod underfoot for 42 months, does not refer to Jerusalem. 
This refers to Rome and the Vatican City. This treading underfoot by the Gentiles has begun with Pope Benedict saying that condoms are okay in certain circumstances. It's unbelievable that Pope Benedict would okay the use of condoms. Yeah, well, actually, what's really unbelievable is, is that you can pull these interpretations out of the sky like this. Jesus would have done. Jesus told the woman caught in adultery, go your way and sin no more. Even Martin Luther opposed contraception. Okay, this is going to be wild. You're, you're going to, okay, the third eagle of the apocalypse uh, is going to quote Martin Luther now. It really is the end of the world. I, I'm this, this, uh, this is a sure sign that the planet has gone past the tipping point. We're about ready to leap into the black hole, into the abyss. Contraception. Let's look at what he said. And Martin Luther writes, Therefore Onan, unwilling to perform this obligation, spilled his seed. Now Luther is writing about Genesis 38. That was a sin far greater than adultery or incest, and it provoked God to such fierce wrath that he destroyed him immediately. And this is taken from Luther's commentary on Genesis. Now this prophecy that the holy city of Rome would be tried underfoot by 42 months is also found in the prophecy of Mary at La Salette to the shepherd children. Oh, man. Led to the shepherd children, where she said that Rome would lose the faith and become the seat of the Antichrist. What does this mean to you Catholics? This means that you, as the woman, as the remnant Catholic Church, must flee for 1260 days. That is lovely. Okay, so if you're you Roman Catholics out there, get your running shoes and grab your rosary. Flee for 1260 days. That is the first half of the tribulation. Now, I, I, I just want to say that there is those Roman Catholics listening to the program today, if you don't want to grab your running shoes, you're not really interested in fleeing, and you don't want to grab your rosary and head out to the desert, there is a second option. Uh, William Tapley will be discussing that here in a second. Hang on. And you must flee from your church. You must find out soon. Does your pastor believe that Pope Benedict went too far? Or does your pastor believe that Pope Benedict went not far enough? This is how you will determine where and when that you will flee from your own Catholic Church. Now the culmination of the first half of the tribulation, the 42 months or 1260 days, will be when the abomination of desolation is set up by the Antichrist. Now, when you add 1,260 days, that is 42 months, to the date we have just understood as the beginning of World War III, November 23rd, you come up with the date for the abomination of desolation. For Jesus, this was far more important than World War III. He only gives a few mentions to World War III and wars and rumors of war. But the abomination of desolation, Jesus specifically mentions. He tells us to look at Daniel. Because Daniel refers to the abomination of desolation four times. And now, with the date of November 23rd, we can pinpoint the abomination of desolation. And it will occur in 2014. Now, when you add exactly 
1260 days or 42 months to the date for the start of World War III, that is November 23, 2010, you come up with a very interesting date of April 13, 2014. Okay. Interesting because this is Palm Sunday. But it's also an unusual Palm Sunday because it is celebrated in both the Orthodox Church and in Christian churches. Now, this is a rare occurrence because usually the two churches celebrate Palm Sunday on different days. Now, wouldn't it make sense for the Antichrist to set up his abomination of desolation on the same day that Jesus rode triumphantly into the city of Jerusalem? Now, the second half of the tribulation period is equally important for you Catholics. You will have to fly to your place of protection in the desert away from the Antichrist. You bring your rosary and your sneakers and uh, some water, I think. Now, listen carefully. Great Eagle. Those two wings are Mary's rosary and Mary's scapular. Now, Protestants, remember, will be raptured into heaven you will not have to face these great tribulations. Now, see, this is a good reason why you should become a Protestant. I mean, if you if you really are thinking, oh, I don't even want to bother with, you know, like grabbing my sneakers and having to flee the church and then having to flee to the desert and bringing my rosary, and all, just, just become a Protestant. Get it, you know, make the leap. Come on over to Lutheranism, and uh, you won't have to worry about all this fleeing stuff, and you'll get raptured. Right. These great tribulations. Now, the second half of the tribulation is the reign of the Antichrist, as we find in Daniel, described as three and a half times, and in the book of Revelation, as 42 months. During this same time period, the woman flies to the desert for three and a half times. This woman is the remnant Catholic Church. In the first half of the tribulation, they flee from their organized church, which has apostatized. And this is also found in Daniel, where the holy people, again, the remnant Catholics, scatter for three and one-half times. That is the second half of the tribulation period. Following North Korea's attack on South Korea, the Drudge Report gave us a very interesting headline. They said, it begins. I am sure they understand, as do most of us, that that was the warning shot for World War III. And by the way, I find the Drudge Report very interesting because they keep us up on events that the government will not tell us about. For example, these airport scanners. Those scanners are a precursor to the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast will be much more serious. But the So those of you out there who are like all upset and a fluster about the TSA scanners, that's the precursor to the mark of the beast. I'm not sure how, but it is, because William Tapley said so. Consequences are the same, and that is the, to take away our individual privacy and our individual rights. With the mark of the beast, we will be slaves to the system. In conclusion, we see this week that the events of Bible prophecy are accelerating. They are moving faster and faster. Very soon, I think we will see the return of Enoch and Elijah. I believe Pope Benedict will either apostatize completely, or he will resign, or he will be assassinated. Nor have we seen yet the horror of Babylon being burned in one hour. 
In other words, we have not seen nuclear destruction come to the United States. Uh, okay, that's kind of an important thing. Okay, if you're in the Catholic Church and you're, you're getting ready to flee, you know, you grabbed your rosary and your sneakers, and you're getting ready to head out to the desert, don't go to the Mojave Desert. No, yeah, yeah see, because the United States, the Great Horror of Babylon, is going to be destroyed by nuclear war in one hour. So there you have it. Nuclear destruction come to the United States. Now, that was predicted just last week when China launched that ballistic missile off the coast of California. What? You, you, you know for certain that that was a Chinese missile off the coast of Wow. California. It's really surprising that our Pentagon cannot tell the difference between a ballistic missile and an airplane. But, of course, they can tell. They just didn't want us to know. And if you would like more information or a free copy of my book, Revelation Unraveled, simply write to the address you see on your screen. <laughs> Pray for him. He just seems like he's the nicest guy. But this is just silly. Just unbelievably silly. Oh, We're up on our second break. When we come back, sermon review time for today's Twilight Zone Marathon edition of Fighting for the Faith. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions, um... You can do so. My email address, talkback at fightingforthefaith.com. Or you can ask me, my friend on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Or you can follow me on Twitter, my name there, pirate Christian. Ay, ay, ay. We'll be right back. We don't need to rethink Christianity. We need to rediscover it. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. I've had enough. Of this sissy, pansy, cunning, photo-written music you have the audacity to call worship. Men, put this entire girly praise band in the boo box. Let's wheel in the organ and get some real worship music underway. Ye be listening to Pirate Christian Radio. Keep more of your money in your pocket. Hi, Chris Roseborough here. If you're planning to travel anytime in the near future, then don't pay more for airfare, hotel rooms, or rental cars than you need to. Longtime Pirate Christian Radio featured advertiser Cheap O Air can save you a Tijuana taxi load of money on all of your travel needs. Plus, Cheap O Air has a seasonal promotional code for all of our listeners that will save you an additional $10 off of Cheap O Air's already low prices. Visit piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap, write down the promo code, and then click on the banner, and then book your travel today. Again, that's piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. 
right, we're back. Hour number two of Fighting for the Faith. Sermon review time. Ugh, my cold is catching up with me. Ugh. My cold meds are wearing thin. I don't know if I'll be able to uh, be myself through the whole thing. If you hear me, you know, slurping it up, just excuse it. Don't don't play this too loud. That'd be kind of gross. <laughs> The good, the bad, the ugly, we review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We are an equal opportunity uh, sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon comes to us from down under, down there at Sydney, Australia. Name of the church is C3. Pastor preaching the sermon, if you can call him that. This guy by the name of Phil Pringle. After listening to this guy preach, by the way, you're going to hear kind of a pre-sermon and then a sermon. And neither of them are sermons. This guy is a charlatan. This guy's a huckster. Trust me, he's in it for the money. He doesn't preach the gospel. He wretchedly handles God's word. This guy is a showman and a con artist. Don't believe me? Sit back. If you'd like to enjoy an adult beverage, we don't have a problem with that. Just don't abuse it or take it to the point of drunkenness. That is prohibited by scripture. Let me kill this music. Now, before I get into the sermon proper, I told you there's a sermon and a pre-sermon. Okay, There's a pre-sermon, and, no, not in that order. A pre-sermon, then a sermon. The pre-sermon, I went ahead and decided to just throw into the mix here. Oh, well, because I just enjoy hearing people, um, well, shake down God's people for money. And that's what it is. It's a, it's a money shakedown. Uh, but then when we get into the sermon itself... Y'all ever see, I want you to pay close attention to how Phil Pringle mishandles God's word. It's breathtakingly bad. In fact, it, it reminds me of this. See if you know, this sounds familiar to any of y'all. Hey, did you ever find tickets to Hawaii? Hawaii Five O, Bookum Dano, Aloha, Melee Kalikimaka, Surf Lingo, bra. I was stoked when I caught that tasty barrel. Seriously, did you price out tickets? How to beat a traffic ticket? Ten proven methods. Traffic courts don't want you to what know. What are you talking Talk about? Talk turkey. What? Talk live with hot singles in your area. They're waiting. Who's waiting? Yeah, that's uh, that, that's the, uh, the commercial. That's one of the commercials for Bing, the uh, Microsoft search engine that's trying to compete with Google. 
And um, they're they're really creepy. But the reason I'm playing that for you is because when you listen to how Phil Pringle mishandles God's word, it sounds just like one of those uber creepy Bing commercials. Let me play another one. Just hey, to- Dad, did you pick me out a cell phone? Cell walls are thicker than plasma membranes and were originally discovered by Robert Hooke in a sample of cork. <laughs> okay. So I guess that means you didn't find me a phone? Thousands of telephone poles are destroyed each year by woodpeckers. Woodpeckers, woodpeckers also nest in the cavities of trees, mom, fence posts, and Which celebrity buildings. mom has mom. another one on the way? What? Sucker mom. Hot moms. Mom jeans. Moms who wear jeans to match their teens' jeans. Yeah, okay, so the reason I played that, I want you to listen carefully to how Phil Pringle mishandles God's word. It's just like a Bing commercial. He bings around from verse to verse, and and, I mean, he doesn't even attempt to connect the dots. He doesn't even attempt exegesis. He doesn't even attempt to properly tell you what God's Word says. He can't. He doesn't know what it says. And he's not about that. He's about fleecing God's sheep for money. Don't believe me? Let's listen to uh, the pre-sermon first, and, uh, and then we'll dive into the sermon itself, if you can call it that. Here we go. Incredible. Incredible. Amen. Touch your neighbor and say, oh, thank God you can sing. Amen. You may be seated. Fantastic to be here. I was impressed to know that uh, all of those children's workers are either students in the college right now or graduates from the college. Our college literally has uh, graduated thousands and thousands of people who are in the ministry all over the world today. And some of them are now leading Bible colleges themselves that have produced literally thousands of ministers in Nigeria. We have Ken Ken and Ruth Hodge, who they must have put out like 10,000 pastors out of that Bible college. Unbelievable. Once the wheels start rolling, once you allow the Holy Spirit and the power of the Word of God to do something in your life, and you do it fearlessly. Once you allow, once you allow. Hmm, hmm, okay. Fearlessly. Don't try and conform to all the things that people expect you to conform to. You're going to find miracles happening all the way through your, through your ministry. Okay, where does the Bible say that? Oh, it doesn't. Sorry. Fearlessly. Don't try and conform to all the things that people expect you to conform to. You're going to find miracles happening all the way through your, through your ministry. Hey, look, um, Joel is a school teacher over at our school. We have about 100 teachers there, right? About 200 on staff. With, yeah, and uh, we have 1,000 thousand children, well, young people from K1 through to HSC. Yeah. And you would just tell us, tell us what you told us out there. Um, yeah, I teach grade four and have 30 students. And throughout the year, about 20 of those 30 have come to know Christ throughout the year, which is awesome. Isn't that awesome? Incredible. Fantastic. Amen. And that's, you know, that's about reaching families and, and touching their lives as well. Hey, guys, let's bring an offering to the Lord. Bring our tithes and bring our offerings. I know you're hungry to do that. I want to uh, just <clears throat> share a, a scripture out of Psalm 66 which is a fantastic psalm. I love the start of it, which says, Make a joyful shout to God, all the earth. Amen. But a little, a little further down, just while we're getting ready, if you need a card, 
uh, because you use a credit card for giving, just raise your hand if you haven't got one on your seat. There'll be one on your seat, but if you haven't got one, raise your hand and an usher will look after you. Uh, a lot of people use the internet during the week, and that's uh, great. About a quarter of our congregation actually give through the internet, and, uh, and, and others use the FBOS machine up the back at the end of the service, some write checks. However you do it, make sure that you bring an offering to the Lord when you're coming to his house. Yeah, whatever you do, don't come into his house without an offering. People who are, who are courteous, they think, what can I take? And they take a box of chocolates or, you know, if you're a, a New Yorker like Steve Hickson, you take a bottle of wine or something like that or take a loaf of bread or if it's breakfast, you take a chicken or whatever it is, you know. Yeah, by the way, the Bible doesn't say this. This is just Phil Pringle fleecing. Take a loaf of bread or if it's breakfast, you take a chicken or whatever it is, you know. <laughs> well, you want to lay eggs, don't you? You know, you want some eggs. I'm in a live one, you know, you're right. <laughs> well, you take something. It's, it's, and this is God's house. And you know, if you turn up with a packet of chewing gum at my place after you've been asked to come on, it's kind of like a little light, little light on. And uh, yeah, don't show up at his house with just some chewing gum. Come on, it's kind of like a little light, little light on. And, uh, you know, sort of like, but when you, when you think we're coming to a really great house, you're going to arrive with not empty hands. And when you come to the greatest of all houses in the entire world, a house in which there is a table set for you every week. If you're facing depression, there's joy. If you're facing sickness, there's healing. If you're facing oppression, there's deliverance. Anything that it's, if you're facing loneliness, there's a lot of people, and most of them are really nice. Some of them are, and you know who you are. So the deal is tonight, changes are happening. Amen. Now, everybody I know in this place is wonderful, absolutely incredible. And there's a table set for us, and we need to come to the house of God with something in our hands, not appear before God with an empty hand. In fact, um, whatever you do, don't appear before God with an empty hand. Yeah, you don't want to do that. You, you'll, he'll throw lightning bolts at you. Psalm 66, verse 13. I will go into your house with burnt offerings. I will pay you my vows, which my lips have uttered and my mouth has spoken. Notice his misuse of the Mosaic law. When I was in trouble. You know how you do that? You say, oh God, get me out of this and I'll get back to tithing. And then you get out of it and you think, oh, it's a bit of a coincidence. Because God always leaves enough room for doubt so that faith is a choice. So you can, it's, you know, the mind wants to wipe out things to alleviate itself from commitments it makes. What? It's to alleviate itself from commitments it makes. The heart's a slippery little animal and you need to hold it to the commitment that you made. And most of us are going to have a day of trouble. You don't want to have too many of them. You're way better to be motivated by blessing than by trial. So you got not a crisis relationship with God. What are you talking about? Where is this any of this taught in the scriptures? Blessed. And, he, and so, you know, I mean, if God sees that you just worship him even more when you get blessed, he'll just keep blessing him. But a lot of people, they relax. Oh. oh, really? Yeah. Where does the Bible say that again? Oh, that's right. By the way, did I mention the fact that this guy's a charlatan? 
This guy is a complete bonafide $3 bill, phony baloney, plastic banana, counterfeit. This guy is not a pastor. He is a money fleecer. Blessed. He'll just keep blessing him. But a lot of people, they relax. Oh, I'm out of trouble now. God, you know, well, maybe I won't go to church. Yeah, you know, I don't have to really talk. And they forget the commitments they made when they were in trouble. And so right here, you know, tonight, let's fulfill our commitments. Whether we made them when we're in trouble or not, just the commitment to follow Christ means every area of my life. And some of us, you know, have our lives like a set of drawers. We open up that drawer, the drawer of relationships. Yeah, I'm following Jesus there. Drawer of circumstances, telling the truth. Yes, got all these, all oh, that money. I just keep that shut. That's my drawer. You know, I keep thinking about this. Over and again, I hear people talk about these different companies. Well, we, we got different rooms in our life. And I think a lot of Christians seem to think that they are pulling off the law because they compartmentalize the law. But the Scriptures don't allow us to do that. James, the, this is the, the, the Apostle James, who is the brother of Jesus, literally said that if you break one of the commandments, you're guilty of breaking them all. And so I think this, I'm convinced that the more I hear evangelicals talk about this compartmentalization, you know, I, so I've got the relationship portion compartment of my life or the finance department of my life, or I got the, you know, I've got the, uh, I don't know, the, the career portion, my parenting portion, that somehow they can, they, by basically separating all of these out into different compartments, they can sit there and go, oh, I see, I've got some progress. I'm becoming a better parent. That means I'm obeying God more. And it's it's ridiculous. No, it's an all-or-nothing proposition. Either you keep the whole law perfectly or you're, you, or the law damns you. It kills you. It accuses you. Enough of this compartmentalization stuff. When you've broken one of the commandments, you're guilty of breaking the whole thing. Follow Jesus with this draw of my life. And men, we're really good at the drawer thing, you know. Ladies, generally, everything's connected, but we have drawers. We can compartmentalize. So, you know, it's just like when we're watching TV, like I'm in my TV box. And you want to talk to me, i got to get out of my TV box and come over into my talking box. It's just too much effort sometimes, you know. So we, the guys stay in their drawers, you know. But here, I want you to open up all the drawers of your life, especially that finance one, and say to God, God, I'm going to follow you. I want you to open all your drawers, especially that finance one, and say, I'm going to follow you. This is what it sounds like when a wolf fleeces sheep. There's no point of barbecuing the sheep. No, 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 no. Leave that for Satan. As long as you can keep the sheep under your control, well, they've got a cash crop that comes around every payday that you need to harvest. For you. If you will come to the Lord and say, okay, I'm going to get revived in every level of my life, and this area is going to happen to you. I'm going to recommit myself to being a tither. Not just pay tithes every now and then, but actually a tither of my whole world and life to God. So let's take our offering tonight. I feel like there's such a release on this in, in the house here. Oh, oh, here comes the manipulation too. Notice the, the background music. It plays through not only the pre-sermon, but the entire sermon too. I, I feel like I'm listening to a Yanni album. <sighs> so, yeah, listen, listen, listen carefully what this guy does here. Of my whole world and life to God. 
So let's take our offering tonight. I feel like there's such a release on this in, in the house here tonight that you, there are people here who are trying to get a house, and I know this. That oh, there's people here. And as soon as you send in your tithe, as soon as you give me your tithe check, you're going to be able to get your house. Right here in this offering, you're going to trigger the release of that as you obey the Lord and do what he is asking you to do. I know that. I can see you opening the front door of that house. I can see the husband carrying his wife over the threshold. I can see you both. He's probably envisioning him carrying his wife over the threshold of their brand new mansion overlooking Sydney Harbor. I don't know if he has one, but I mean, it, <sighs> yeah. Beautiful furniture. God is going to release answers to prayers right here tonight. Heavenly Father, I believe, God, that you'll touch every life here. You'll touch every soul in this place as we bring an offering and we break through in all sorts of areas within ourselves and into the kingdom of God. Let the touch of heaven fall here tonight in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you as you give. Thank you, ushers, for looking after us. Let's have a look at C3 News while we do that. Thank you. Okay, now that's the pre-sermon. Let's dive into the sermon itself. It's just as wonderful. Remember, remember to uh, think Bing commercial. Let me remind you here. This is how uh, Phil Pringle handles God's Word. Hey, Dad, did you pick me out a cell phone? Cell walls are thicker than plasma membranes and were originally discovered by Robert Hooke in a sample of cork. Okay. So I guess that means you didn't find me a phone. Thousands of telephone poles are destroyed each year by woodpeckers. Woodpeckers, woodpeckers also nest in the cavities of trees, ah. fence posts. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so that's, uh, again, uh, that's just to remind you, here's the sermon itself. Enjoy. Amen. I want you to turn with me to Luke 4, verse 18. This morning and uh, last night, I was uh, talking about... Uh, the ten virgins and their need to get oil. And some of them had oil, and some of them didn't have enough. And I believe you've got to have enough oil in your life to do the work, but you also need more than enough. And you've got to live in a, an abundance mindset. Already the Bing commercial has begun. Um, Luke 4.18, by the way, it reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. This was Jesus reading from uh, the prophet Isaiah at the beginning of his ministry. So listen, just watch the way this guy handles God's Word. I mean, we, he says that he's recently been talking about the virgins and the need for people to have oil. What is he talking about? The parable of the ten virgins is not about your need to, quote, have oil. That is a parable, and Jesus, in in parabolic language, is making a bigger point, okay? If you have your Bibles, flip on over to Matthew chapter 25, verse 1. Matthew 25, verse 1, I will read. Jesus begins basically uh, uh, telling three parables, the parable of the virgins, the parable of the man who's going on a journey, uh, the talents, and then the uh, parable of the sh- uh, the sheep and the goats. These are Jesus's parables of judgment, parables telling us about what it's going to be like on the last day, at the end of the world, the day of judgment. That's what this is about. <clears throat> I read, Jesus speaking, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. I'll give you two guesses who the bridegroom is, and the second and the first one doesn't count. It's going to be Jesus. 
Okay. Five of them were foolish. Five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and they slept. What's going on here? Plain and simple. This is real simple. Let me unpack this for you. Oil is faith. Sleep here is death. Okay? So what we're talking about is that five of these brides, these virgins, were foolish because they fell asleep without any oil, a.k.a. they went to sleep, they died without saving faith, and they were foolish. Foolish. Now, at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. It makes perfect sense. You buy oil in the middle of the night. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him. The marriage feast and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. So Phil Pringle begins his sermon mentioning the ten virgins and the need for people to have oil, and apparently he's preaching on... Well, Luke chapter 4, verse 18, but let's put that one back in context, too, because Luke chapter 4, verse 18 isn't about you. It isn't about me. It's about Jesus. It's all about him. Let me read, starting at verse 16. If you have your Bible, flip over to the Gospel of Luke chapter 4, verse 16. It says, And he, Jesus, came to Nazareth, where he had been brought where he had been brought up. And as his, as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, quote, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and the eyes of all of the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of Jesus and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, doubtless you will quote me the this proverb, physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in our hometown as well. And he said, truly, truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you that there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elijah, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. And when they heard these things, 
All in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up to draw, and drove him out of town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. Now keep in mind, Luke 4.18 is quoted from the prophet Isaiah, and Jesus said that that passage was fulfilled in the hearing of the people who were there in Nazareth that day at the synagogue when he preached from that text. That helps as we continue to listen to uh, this Bing commercial of a sermon that's just an abomination from Phil Pringle, a con artist at large. We fulfill all that God's got for us because you're going to burn as much oil waiting as you do working. And while they were waiting, they ran out of oil. And and the fact is, to last this whole distance, the race that God has got before us, there's an element in the Christian life called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And without that, it's almost impossible to fulfill. Okay, the parable of the ten virgins and the oil has nothing to do with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Bing, commercial. In fact, I would say it pretty well is impossible to do what God is asking you to do without that empowering from the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus, God in the flesh, born of the union between God and heaven the Father. Whoa. What? Jesus was born of the union of God the Heavenly Father and the Virgin Mary? Oh, he did not just say that. Hang on, backing it up. Wow, that's Mormonism. God in the flesh... Born of the union between God and heaven the Father and Mary on earth, a God-man. Wow, that's a heresy. That's a flat-out heresy. Even he needed the Holy Spirit to come upon his life to fulfill what God had called him to do. And even then, he struggled at times. Even with the power of the Holy Spirit in the Garden of Gethsemane, which literally means oil press, the place where oil is formed. In his moment of... Bing commercial here. Again, parable of the ten virgins, that's not what the oil's referring to, sir. And now we're in the Gethsemane, the oil press. Bing commercial. He wanted to give up. Oh, he wanted to give up. The will of God, it wasn't about sin. It wasn't about, it wasn't about the pressure of temptation. It wasn't about the opposition of people. It was about the call of God. What God was asking him to do. And even to come like tonight and bring an offering. To yield our lives. To surrender ourselves. To do what... Okay, notice. He's just reduced Jesus to basically just like you and me. And now we've got to do the thing that Jesus did. He showed us how to do it. Now you got to do it. And bring an offering to yield our lives, to surrender ourselves, to do what God has asked us to do, it is absolutely imperative that you've got oil on your life, that you've got the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus, he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Everybody say this with me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Okay, I want to point something out here. Okay, the Messiah... Messiah, and and the word in the Greek word Christos means anointed one. Jesus, in reading this passage from Isaiah, is 
basically saying he's the anointed one. He's the Messiah. This is about Jesus. This isn't about you and me. And oh. a whole range of, of things. I doubt that he's anointed us to do as many things as Jesus was anointed to do. But whatever. Yeah, I doubt that too. You know, like dying for the sins of the world, rising again from the grave for our justification. You know, propitiating God's wrath. You know, all those. That's just a couple of things that Jesus was called to do. You know, live the law perfectly in our place for us. You know, stuff like that. Whatever you're called to do, you're anointed to do it. There's an anointing for you. Now, let me... Where does it say that? We've jumped from Jesus, the anointed one, to now that whatever the, the calling is on your life, the, the, you're, there's an anointing there for you. What are you talking about? Where does the text, biblical text say any of this nonsense? Again, this is a Bing commercial. You're anointed to do it. There's an anointing for you. Now, let me, let me say this to you. Some of you might think being a mother... Well, that's just being a mother. But let me tell you, there's an anointing for being a mother, for being a father. So if you're a mom, you're, you're a, a maternal messiah. There's an anointing for being a father. For raising finance, there's an anointing. Dear Lord. There we go again. Finance, money. This, uh, this guy has got, uh, got quite the tooth, quite a taste for money, doesn't he? Yeah, it's got. He's. It's almost like a green tooth. Well, here in the United States, so that would be greenbacks. I. I don't know what color the money is there. In uh, maybe it's a gold tooth. I don't know. He sure does have a taste for money, though. Hmm. Everything they touch just kind of works. Everything you touch just falls to dust. You know. You're going like God tonight. Put the anointing on people's lives here. Some people are anointed to win others to Christ. They do it so easily. And you see him bringing people to Jesus all the time. Some are anointed you know, to be... It's so funny that you would say that because what you're not... You're, that's not an anointing. That's a gift of the Holy Spirit. That's a spiritual gift. It's not, it's not called an anointing. It's called a spiritual gift. Read 1 Corinthians. And you're going, well, where do I go? Start at the beginning and finish at the end. All the time. Some are anointed to be hospitable. Some are anointed to be pastors. Some are anointed to be prophets. Some are anointed to be to be uh, teachers of the Word of God. They help instruct people how to how to walk their life. Whatever it is. Yeah. Notice all of a sudden you're elevated to little messiahs. Yeah, because you're an anointed one. You you uh, we got a bunch of little little anointed ones running around uh, running around a bunch of little Christs. Anointed ones running around. There's an anointing for your life. And here tonight, I believe God is going to touch you and not just put gifts in you, but anoint those gifts. Now, without oil, gears get pretty crunchy and noisy in your car. <laughs> so with that, now we're back to oil again. And, but now he's talking about motor oil. Motor oil is not the oil that was in the lamp of the ten virgins. And they weren't concerned about grinding gears. Oh. <sighs> It was like oil used to light a lamp. Think kerosene if you're not sure what what to think about. But oh man, this is, again, this is a total Bing commercial. It's like, uh, let's see if I got another example here. We really need to find a new place for breakfast. The Breakfast Club, a 1985 cult classic starring members of the Brat Pack. What? So, do we want an LCD or plasma? Plasma is an ionized gas. Next time, we gotta find cheaper tickets. 
cheapskates, cheap thrills. I'm having this back pain. Backpacking back to school, Johann Sebastian back. Seriously, we need a new place to eat. Eat lead, eat my dust. Eat lead. Vanity shark. Wolf spiders eat their young. The plasma cutter. Tetraplasma. Blood plasma. Oh, I need a flash screen plasma TV. Flash screen. Self screen. Flat brain. And then plane tickets. Raffle ticket. I've got two tickets to paradise. Won't you pack your bags? We'll leave tonight. Third of paradise. <laughs> What's causing my back pain? Bring the pain. Mixed martial arts is Sunday. Sunday! No! What's wrong with you people? I said ticket. Yeah, that's what we're dealing with here in this sermon. It's that. Gifts. Now, without oil, gears get pretty crunchy and noisy in your car. And that's like the gifts of the gears in your life. You travel and they... It, it makes the motor of, of your Christian world on the inside of you. Where does the Bible talk about the spiritual gift of gears? Hmm. On the inside of you touches those gifts. And instead of them just being operational, they become life-giving. And there's a big difference. I've watched guys who can sing, but I'm not, nothing much happening to me. I'm not actually moved or, or brought nearer to God. I know people who can, they're great orators and amazingly motivational in their, in their message. And I feel a little stirred, but I couldn't say that I was touched by God. The anointing is life-giving. Once the anointing comes on you, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to communicate. Okay, this is just blasphemy. He just took the messianic passage from Isaiah that Jesus in Luke 4 said that he fulfilled in the hearing of those who were present at the synagogue that that morning in Nazareth, and Phil Pringle just applied that to himself. That's blasphemy. Kate, a message that puts faith in people's lives about moving out of a poverty-stricken life, whether it's a poverty-stricken relationship whether it's a poverty-stricken circumstance, whether it's finances, whether it's your job, there is a preaching that actually looses people out of poverty. There is an ability to preach the Word of God that unlocks a miracle in people's lives. And sometimes that preaching calls for an obedience. Where, where is any of this said in the Bible? Where is any of this taught at all? This guy's completely just winging it, making stuff up, being commercial style or a man, and they would say, uh, you need to do this. You need to dip in the water. You need to throw a stick into the river. You need to give me the last cake of meal that you've What? Oh. You've got. And when these people did it, it unlocked a miracle in their life. So when you're called to preach, and an, preaching is not just saying a message. It's a supernatural form of communication that imparts a life factor into people's worlds. That actually really can you point me to a single verse that says that that, that preaching imparts a life factor into people's worlds serious going back to my earlier point and the earlier part of the program uh, the, the Christian church can't stand up to any heresy nowadays this is what happens you're tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and the church ends up being taken over by dumb complete asinine stupid and the only smart people really are the ones who are fleecing the sheep they are laughing their heads off all the way to the bank while god's gullible 
biblically illiterate little sheep are having their flee their wool their you know their fleeces fleeced off of them on a weekly basis every payday and they're being fed garbage as if it's the word of god and they're sitting there eating this stuff up going oh this is the best thing ever this is well, this is really from god no it's not this man is a complete charlatan who doesn't even know square one, rule one, on how to properly handle God's word. And he's feeding these people a load of garbage so that he could fleece them and then take all of their money and laugh his head off all the way to the bank. Into a miraculous lifestyle. So when, when the word of God comes into our world and it starts to change us, we know that somebody anointed has spoken to our world. I love listening to anointed preachers. Because I find it will actually shape up your attitude, shape up your spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Here we go again, applying the messianic passage of Isaiah to himself. Total blasphemy. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Jesus would just heal broken hearts wherever he went. Hearts that were disappointed. Hearts that were broken down because that Where was the big miracle of, you know, Jesus healing the uh, the the crowd of disappointed? Seriously. Hearts that were disappointed. Hearts that were broken down because they'd been through this relationship, this relationship, this didn't work and that didn't work and their hearts were now damaged. He came to a woman at a well, and she, she says, I, I, I'm just coming for some water. He said, if you ask me for water, I'd give you water that you're never thirsty. She says, how are you going to do that? You haven't even got a bucket. He says, he says go call your husband. She says, well. No. Oh, he missed the, ent- oh, the best part of that passage. Hang on a second here. I think it's, let's see if this is John. It's Gospel of John. Let's see here. John chapter 4, you have your Bible, flip on over there, and um, let's see here. We'll start at verse 1. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John the Baptist, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. This was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone into the city to buy food. Uh, The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me? A woman of Samaria? They're not supposed to be talking. Yet alone, first of all, Jews and Samaritans don't talk. They're not on talking terms. And Jesus is here talking to her. And furthermore, men aren't supposed to be talking to women at the well like that. This is not, this is this is breaking all kinds of protocol here. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with. The well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, 
Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not have to be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying you have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Now the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He was called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Yeah, see what's going on here? Jesus is the living water. Again, let's continue with this abomination of a sermon. This woman had been through five marriages, if you like, five relationships that were serious enough to be called husbands, and all of them hadn't worked. And here she is talking to Jesus, and most people would look at a, a person like that and they'd think, oh, well, you know, you're just, you're just going to wreck every relationship you get into. You're just hopeless, but not Jesus. He doesn't say you're hopeless. He says, woman, you're going to be transformed right now. Your world's going to change. Uh, where does it say that in John chapter 4? Right here at this well, if you'll do what I tell you. And she runs into the city, starts talking to all the guys. Says all the men came out because she knew a few. And, and, and she knew a lot of guys. And they say, yeah, she says, come with me, come with me. I met the Messiah. And they come out and, and they meet him and himself. She becomes one of the most powerful witnesses for Christ. Just because of one anointed connection. Now listen to me. This is, this is a... What on earth? Unbelievable. The book of Acts. You come down to Acts 9 and here is, here is this huge revival happening in Samaria. And a guy called Philip, an amazing man. Amen. Philip, what a name. He is having this huge revival in Samaria. And it started way back there with a broken woman at a well, getting healed in a heart, because somebody with hope said, it's all right, you're going to make it through life, you're going to get through this horrible moment. Jesus didn't say anything of the sort, sir. This guy's not only blaspheming, he's totally lying about what God's Word says. And it's so bad. It can only be chalked up for to complete charlatan huckster fleecing the sheep. This guy, he's not even trying to exegete the text. Damage situation. Jesus said, I'm anointed to heal broken hearts. It takes a lot of mercy. It takes a lot of empathy to heal the broken heart. And then he says, I've come to proclaim liberty to the captives. Hey, 
What is it, Isaiah 10, 27? The yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Acts 10, verse 38. Anybody like to tell me what it says? Who's not a Bible college? Okay, let me tell you what it says. It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. This says, Jesus came to give freedom, liberty. I don't know of a more binding thing than religion. There's probably not a more binding, tying up, oppressive thing in the world than religion. It will. You mean false religion. Yeah, there's nothing worse than a binding false religion that strips you of all of the monetary resources you need in order to live, all in the name of God. A binding, tying up, oppressive thing in the world than religion. It will crucify Jesus if it's given half a chance, and it did. It tried to get rid of the liberator, the one who would break all the chains of religiosity on people's lives. I love doing things all the time that shoot that religious sacred cow dead in the head in Jesus' name. Amen. I love it when people feel a little squirmy because it doesn't, doesn't seem like that's, that's quite Christian or something. I want to recover masculinity to Christianity. Danger, competitiveness, power. Holy whoa, whoa. Danger, competitiveness, and power. Hmm. Those aren't the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Those sound a lot like the character attributes of God's enemy, the devil. Lovey and caring or something. My God. This is a religion that takes guts, courage, stand up for Christ. Easy to run with a crowd and laugh and mock at good people and who party on. To stand for Jesus. In the middle of, a, of this world. Amen. Man up, guys. I love the whole concept of a, a new kind of Christianity that looks different to the world. Drives yeah, a whole new kind. He's the creator of it himself. Not Jesus, but Phil Pringle. Different to the world. Drives them nuts. Drives us all nuts. When we think, wow, here's Jesus in the middle of a religious... And he's setting people free. He is eaten with Zacchaeus. One of the worst people in town. He's having a party with Matthew, a tax collector, an enemy of the Jews. Let's read that Zacchaeus story, by the way, because I think it would be oh so appropriate. Um, Zacchaeus, hang on a second here. Zacchaeus. Let's see here. All right. There was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. Luke chapter 19. If you have your Bibles, flip on over to Luke chapter 19, starting at verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Wow. Friend of Pharisees and tax collectors. So he hurried and came down, and he and Zacchaeus re received Jesus joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. 
And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to the ha- to this house, since he also was the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Phil Pringle is a unrepentant Zacchaeus. He is a defrauder, and he is a fraud. He is a fleecer of God's sheep, and he is one who gorges himself and makes himself rich by basically dealing in false doctrine and tickling itching ears. My prayer for Phil Pringle is that like Zacchaeus, he would repent and give away his money to the poor, and any money he's defrauded from these people in this church, the C3 church in Australia, in Sydney, that he would pay it back fourfold. Bear fruit in keeping with his repentance. I'm glad that he mentioned Zacchaeus. Let's continue with this abomination of a sermon. Town. He's having a party with Matthew, a tax collector, an enemy of the Jews. How did, how did Judas the Zealot and Matthew sleep at night when the twelve were out on the hillside? The only way they did it, because Jesus slept between them. Amen. Stop them killing each other. Uh, the text doesn't say anything of the sort. You just completely inserted that into the Bible, sir. And then Jesus sits them all down in John 13 and says, You guys, love one another. Amen. He just picked them out. They weren't yeah, family. Jesus, all- Jesus said love one another because, you know, he, he was trying to keep the disciples from fighting. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. All of them, they weren't, they weren't even friends. He just picked out these 12 people and said love one another. Like I said, you can't do this Christian life without the anointing. They weren't even friends. He just picked them out and said, I, I want you guys to love each other. This guy, oh, man. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. I'm telling you, the oil of heaven will set you free. The greatest freedom you can have is confidence in life. So the oil of heaven will set you free, and the greatest freedom you can have is confidence in life. Wow, that's, put that on a Hallmark greeting card. That one just brings a tear to my eye. Will set you free. The greatest freedom you can have is confidence in life. The greatest freedom you'll ever have is to be unintimidated, to be unapologetic about who you are, to have a self-image that's as healthy as God himself, to know that you're... To have a self-image as healthy as God himself. Ah, yes, we want you to have, in Jesus' name, a God complex. Oh, wow. And you're walking in his power under his authority. You're filled with the Holy Spirit sent from God to fill your life, to turn you around. Go on, just step over into that. Step out of fear and timidity. And then he says, a recovery of sight to the blind. Ryan, this is amazing. How many people have lost, lost, lost so many things? How did you lose it? It got taken from you. It got stolen from you. The devil comes to steal and to kill him. To... Yeah, no sinners here. You're just a victim of the, the devil. Yeah. And to kill and destroy. 
The anointing recovers things. It gets it back for you. Tonight you're going to get some things back that you've been lost, that have been stolen off you. Right here in this place, the power of the anointing. And one of the most terrible things to ever lose is vision. Recovery of sight to the blind. Yeah, you don't want to lose vision. That's bad stuff, man. To be blind, to be groping in the dark. One of the worst losses in the whole of Scripture is Samson. A mighty man. Anointed. Every time he was anointed, he he could rip flax ropes apart. He could break chains when they tried to bind him. He could lift the gates of a city. He was immensely strong, far beyond his natural ability. In fact, it was so well disguised, they didn't realize where the secret of his strength was. Most pictures you see of Samson, he's a big muscle guy. No, he wasn't like that. He looked like a dweeb. Uh, How do you know that? Do you have pictures of Samson? He's a big muscle guy. No, he wasn't like that. He looked like a dweeb. He like... Sammy, how come you're so strong? You look like such a dweeb. He messed around, compromised, finally shaved his power. But the great thing about the great thing about hair, it can grow again. The great thing about your commitment to Christ, the great thing about dedication. The great thing about prayer is that you can grow it again. If you lost it, you can recover it right here tonight. And when you recover that dedication, when you recover your position on the altar, you'll recover the oil that gives you that superhuman strength to resist and overcome all the things that try and put you down. Recovery of sight to the blind. If you've lost vision, that anointing washes over your eyes and you see very clearly exactly all the things that God has got for you. Where does the Bible say any of this? Those who are oppressed, liberty comes twice in this. I don't know of a more freeing experience than the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Jesus is called the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ means anointed. Listen. Jesus is called the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ means anointed. Do you know it is an amazing thing to watch how the devil attacks the church but i noticed this more than anything he attacks the anointed wow so jesus christ the anointed one he's the anointed he's the promised messiah the anointed one and this guy just took the anointing of jesus apparently all christians are are the anointed well no those who have that second blessing who are in that upper tier of the super spiritual ones they're the anointed ones, and, and well, Satan's against them, apparently. The church, but I notice this more than anything, he attacks the anointed. He is called the spirit of Antichrist, anti the anointing. It's not just religion, he, anti the anointing. See, he's, he's the Antichrist isn't against Jesus. No, no, no. He's against the anointing. Uh huh. He doesn't mind religion, he'll leave that alone. But once people get anointed, once they've got the ability to set others free, from chains and bugs in their head. Once other people have the ability to set others free, not Jesus, but you, you're a little Messiah running around in this guy's theology. But you and I here tonight are going to experience the freedom of the Holy Ghost. 
the freedom of the anointing and that oil that comes out of heaven. I want us all to stand. And if you're here tonight saying, I want that fresh oil on my life, I want to identify with Jesus. I want to be able to say the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. I want you to come down. Wow. Here we go again. Misapplying that passage and applying it to people it, 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 it don't apply to. With Jesus, I want to be able to say the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. I want you to come down and stand at the front here tonight. We're going to pray for people to have fresh oil come on all their lives. And I'm believing that God will touch you. In this meeting, if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you've never found the power of God filling you and baptizing you and drenching you, then I want you to come down and let yourself get filled, overflowing with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to take about 15 minutes, 10 minutes maybe, to pray with people here tonight. And the anointing of the Holy Spirit is going to touch your world. Some of you are struggling with anger. Some of you are struggling with anxiety. Some of you are struggling with temptations of immorality and things like that. I want you to be on this altar call because the power of the Holy Spirit will anoint you for a whole new day of victory, liberty, freedom. I want the guys in the second row just to take one step back if you could. I'll be praying fairly swiftly for people here tonight. And so we will be, once you've been prayed for, and the touch of God, if you can find your way back to your seat a little after that, that'd be really, really great. I feel the anointing build in here. It's up to about my my waist, I'm telling you. I'm- yeah, yeah, I'm sure something's about up to your waist. I, I'm surprised you weren't preaching in waders. Yeah, it ain't the anointing that's up that you're in to up to your waist. It's Yep, that's bovine scatology. Mm-hmm. I recognize it from even all the way up here in Indiana, even though you're down in Australia. Yep, that's truly bovine scatology. This is, this is going to touch your world. We're going into a whole new era. There are new children's workers, new youth workers, a whole rising up of things happening around this place. And, and I'm telling you, We're at a trigger point, a tipping point of a new day coming on every life here. I want you to reach out with all your heart. Just start praying right across this building in Jesus' mighty name. Father, we believe God. We believe God. We believe God. We believe God. That isn't, by the way, what you're hearing. That's not the biblical gift of tongues. The biblical gift of tongues enables somebody to supernaturally speak a language that they don't know so that they can communicate the wonders of God. You know the gospel? Stop praying right across this building in Jesus' mighty name. Father. Oh, and by the way, the Bible prohibits somebody from speaking in tongues during church without an interpreter present. Again, 1 Corinthians. Read the whole thing. We believe God, we believe God, we believe God, we believe God. Stephen Mel, come up here, come up here. Yeah, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's just a load of baloney. Touch that church with a revolution, a revival. See, three Manhattan is going to have such a, a revival, such a new day. A new day anointing comes on both Stephen Mel right now. 
and the Word of God comes into their spirit. He will preach under the unction and the power of the Holy Spirit. A vision, a strategy, a way of moving into the future will fall on Him with fresh oil. Father, today, let the anointing and let the power of the Holy Spirit pour down on these lives in Jesus' name. Stephen Thomas, come up here. Father, I'm believing God that you touch this man. Now, have you noticed that the music was playing the whole time? We continue. His name, Stephen Thomas, come up here. Father, I'm believing God that you touch this man. Anoint him tonight. Lord, I believe the anointing. This is is like the, uh, well, an Australian version of Todd Bentley. He'll be in movies. He'll be, he'll be asked to be in a movie, an Australian movie, and he'll become one of the lead actors. The anointing of the Holy Spirit will come on. Itching ears here. And open doors up that he's hungered for and thought about. You'll anoint him for this in Jesus' name. You'll anoint the doors. Be bold, be strong, says the Lord. Fear not, for I am with you, says the Almighty God. In Jesus' name. Jake, come up here. Lord Jesus, touch Jake right now with the anointing of the Holy Spirit as he touches Southeast Asia. Father, as he touches all of these Asian countries and we see hundreds of churches connecting to C3 through his ministry, through the touch of God on him. I believe. So watch out Manhattan and watch out Southeast Asia. C3 Australia is planting churches in your neck of the wood. Connecting to C3 through his ministry, through the touch of God on him. I believe here today, Father, oil, heavy oil will come on him to be a connector of new life. And you'll put in his throat and in his mouth and in his voice the word of the Lord, the power of God to touch nations. I see you sitting with kings. I see you sitting with governors. I see you sitting with civic authorities. I see you sitting with the I see you in an insane asylum for suffering from delusions of grandeur. You've lost, you've lost it. You're off your rocker. I see you bringing revolutions and revival by the power of my spirit, says the Lord. I see you in Cambodia. I see you in Vietnam. I see you in these places that have never heard the gospel. Burma, the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit over his family, over every part of his world. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's, let's just reach out to God, people. Lift your hands to God. At the touch of heaven, fall here today, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, God, I praise you. Touch Steve. Touch now, God. Touch, Father. Touch these lives. Touch God of heaven. And now he's working the crowd and, you know, knocking people over and all that kind of nonsense. $3 bill. Plastic banana. Counterfeit money. This guy is not a pastor. This guy wouldn't know how to properly exegete a passage if his life depended on it. And he doesn't know what the biblical gospel is. He's fleecing God's sheep down there in Australia. Pray that God brings him to repentance and the forgiveness of his sins. Because if he goes into eternity doing this nonsense, he's going to have some splaining to do to Jesus. And he'll have all of eternity in hell to do it. And that's not what we want. Pray that God grants him repentance and open his, opens his eyes and turns him around. <sighs> Sad. <sighs> so that was our Twilight Zone Marathon edition of Fighting for the Faith. I need to remind you, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you as well as to the world. 
You can partner with us financially. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute $6.95 to the ongoing work and mission of Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. And, of course, if you would like to specify the amount that you would like to contribute, you can do so by clicking on the Donate button, and uh, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and send it to Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. So what would you think? I'd love to get your feedback. You can email me my email address talk back at fightingforthefaith.com or you can ask to be my friend on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian or you can follow me on Twitter. My name there, Pirate Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. That's really what we're supposed to be preaching, not this other nonsense. 